0: Soundly. So, right now, our listeners get thirty percent off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to Headspace.com/sleeppod for thirty percent off your subscription, but only until May twelfth. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to Headspace.com/sleeppod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number two hundred and ninety-seven. And in this session, you're going to hear about all the things that did not go according to plan this past year. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, the highlight of his year, was showing back to the future to his son for the first time, Pat Flynn. Yo, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in this session of the SPI Podcast. I think that sound effect there in the beginning is one of my all-time favorite sound effects. There's so many things you can do with it Uh, It's the first time I've used it on this podcast, but it may happen again sometime soon. Okay, it's not going to happen again, I promise. Or do I? Just kidding, it's not coming back. Okay, so in this episode, I really do want to talk about the things that didn't go so well this past year. In the last episode, episode 296, you may have heard me talk about all the upcoming plans for next year, some of those plans are a result of some of these things that have happened uh, in 2017 that I'm about to talk about. But a lot of those things are also because we're just trying to grow, we're trying to expand, we're providing higher value for you in 2018. But there were a lot of lessons learned from 2017 that I wanted to share with you. And as we close the year off, hopefully this can give you either some inspiration knowing that hey, everybody is making mistakes and that's totally part of the process. You learn from those mistakes and that's how you grow. And that's why I wanted to create this recap episode of 2017 and the things that didn't go right. But at the same time, I wanted to give you insight on what's going on in my brain and why uh, maybe these things happened and why they didn't go so well. So Either way, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a lot of fun to talk about these failures and these mistakes because I always know there are lessons involved for those of you out there listening so that you can take a better approach with your business moving forward and hopefully get even better results than myself and get results much quicker too because this was definitely not an overnight success and it still continues to be not an overnight success with all the new projects that I create. So let's just dive right into number one, saying yes too much. For whatever reason, this year, I found that I was saying yes to more things than I was saying no to. And when you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else, something that may be important to you, some prioritization that you have. And I've been saying yes a lot, and this has become very apparent here at the end of the year when I've gone to all these different conferences and have put my foot in all these different projects that are all overlapping each other. And thankfully, I'm able to stay afloat but at the same time, I am definitely feeling it a little bit. I'm getting a little bit tired and run down through all the work that I've been doing, and that's not something I'm very happy about. I always have tried to do a good job of with, again, the, the whole reason I went into online business and to generate passive income was so that I could have more time, and I have been saying yes so often that I found that I haven't had as much time as I wanted. So, my goal for 2018 is to prioritize a little bit more, but it's hard for me because I'm a people pleaser and as I begin to grow, as I begin to see more opportunities come my way, as I begin to have uh, new relationships being built and wanting to please those people and, and help them out, I am a people pleaser by nature. Um, I have to go back to where I was in 2016 and in, in early 2017 when I was really good and diligent with saying no to things. And I have been saying no a little bit more here in December to opportunities that are coming out. I've actually even reached out to people who I did say yes to and have just been completely honest with them, telling them that you know I have to unfortunately say no and yes, it doesn't make me feel good and it surely doesn't make those people feel good either. But those are hard lessons learned so that I can move forward and have a clearer open mind and a clearer and more open schedule so I can do the things that I wanna do. Another part of this is just I'm having so much fun with all of this new stuff that I'm getting involved with with all these new stages that I'm speaking on. But the other side of this is I'm also seeing in my schedule that I have a lot more time. But because of that I'm saying yes to more things and actually having less time. The more time is coming from having both kids in school for the same at the same time, at the same school for the very first time. And yes, I'm getting more hours in the day to do things, but I think because of that, I'm actually saying yes to more things, thinking that I have the time to do those things. And I have had some extra time to do those things and complete and complete a lot of amazing things this year, such as the brand new online courses, both paid and free, such as poweruppodcasting.com or uh, buildyourownbrand.co. Those things are working really, really well. And I know that the extra time I've had as a result of the kids being in school Uh, has helped out and contributed to that massively. But at the same time, I think I just haven't been very clear with where that line is between yes and no, because of that extra time that has been given to me. uh, Because during that, I mean, my whole purpose was to be there with the kids. And now that the kids are not there anymore, um, you know, and you can see how this is kind of starting to get mixed up a little bit. And it's just going to take some adjustment. I mean, I know that With the kids and as as they've grown, and this has been the case since the beginning, since they've been born, they go through a certain phase, you kind of get used to it, and then they all of a sudden change you know oh they start sleeping through the night but then they start teething or they go through growing pains and then you have to shift things and their their hours change so therefore my hours change they start to go to school half day and then i change my schedule as a result in april too my wife and then now the kids are in school both full-time and my schedule has to change too and how i work and how i decide to take advantage of that extra time uh, depends on myself and 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 what i would what i say yes to and so I'm, stout, I'm now starting to realize here as we approach the end of 2018 that I've been saying yes to too many things, too many, uh, conferences. Uh, I need to be more strategic with the ones that I go to. Uh, also knowing kind of not just that it's just that day that I speak, but all the days in and around, including travel and preparation for those presentations, which I put a lot, a lot of time into when, when I say yes to a specific date that I'm speaking. I'm also saying yes to all that time used in preparation for that date when I speak. I'm also saying yes to a lot of interviews and I love doing interviews and it's one of those things. I see a blank space in my schedule. I can definitely add an interview in when I'm on another person's show and I love to do that. But it's also taking time away and and headspace away from other things I should be spending more time doing. Um, And then also introductions. And this is probably the hardest one. Now that I'm meeting a lot more people, I'm also getting introduced to a lot of new people. And I don't wanna let those new people down. I know how important it is to be involved and provide value to other people, especially those who could potentially provide a lot more value back to you in the beginning of those relationships. And that again is adding to the whole just pot of things that I need to do. So next year, my big goal is to try and be a little bit better with saying no to things. I'm going to attempt to spend some time thinking about these decisions before I make a decision. This is very similar to, in the personal finance world, I heard this tip. I remember it from from way back when, even before I became an entrepreneur, I was still in architecture. And a tip I heard was, if you are having trouble with your buying decisions because you, you, know, you make these impulse buys, one thing you can do is to put your credit card uh, in the freezer Around water, so it's it's literally frozen, and you can't use it. You can't see your credit card numbers now. It's a problem, obviously. If you see if you've used it so much that you memorize your card numbers and all those, you know, the security code and the dates and all that stuff, so that wouldn't matter. But the point being, you go into the freezer, and it takes time for that credit card to thaw. Therefore, you have that time to think about that purchase because it's going to be an effort for you to get that credit card to make that purchase. So you'll have time to actually think about it. And so I need to give myself more time when making those decisions related to my business. All right, number two, next up, I wanna talk about my physical product experiment. This isn't necessarily something that failed, but it's not something that uh, I thought was gonna work out the way that I wanted it to. What I wanted to happen was to create a physical product and a prototype of that product and send it to a number of people to have them work through it, to have them succeed with that product and give me the information I need to rejig, to adjust and pivot, if necessary, that physical product before getting it manufactured and turning it into some sort of Kickstarter and or in-house campaign to sell you know the final version of this thing. And we did much of that. I created the physical product and it was this calendar slash journal combination that can help you achieve your goals. And what came out of the Uh, the creation of that product was a really cool idea about how to have these journals not just be generic, but be very specific to the goals that you want to accomplish. So the first goal that we wanted to tackle that related to this wall calendar that we were creating to help you keep track of your goals, to help you understand how your work within this goal worked within your life, uh, it, it was specifically for the goal of writing your first draft of your book in 90 days. And we created a prototype version of the book and it was written, it's really, really well done. Uh, we have a prototype version of the calendar and we sent it to 21 different people who applied to be a part of this beta program and to be the first people to get their hands on it, to use it, to experiment with it. The idea being they would offer myself and my team feedback to make the product better, to enhance it, not just design-wise, that actually wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was, would they actually progress? toward their goal of actually writing a first draft of their book within 90 days. And of the 21 people, um, of course, this always happens. Not everybody ends up participating, which is totally fine. Um, But the people who did participate, most of them did get results. And many of them did finish their 90 days and had a complete first draft in hand. Now, of course, there's a lot more steps involved related to writing a book. And we're not talking about writing a book right now. Uh, but we're talking about this physical product, this journal that was created, a workbook that actually walked people through the process that works in conjunction with this wall calendar with goal tracking. There was also a number of stickers that people got to help themselves understand where they were in the process to help them show themselves those milestones that they've achieved or you know, thumbs up for days that were great, thumbs down for days that were not so great. And people love that. People love that. But- We wanted to launch a campaign to sell this thing, a final version of it, by November. And of course, it's December and you didn't hear about that because it didn't happen. And there's a few reasons why it didn't happen, but the plan was to get it done and to have people go through it, to have it be great, and to set up a Kickstarter campaign in November so that by November, uh, the end of November or beginning of December, we could start shipping these things out so people could have access to them in November. January for their brand new year, because that's when goal setting really begins to, you know, really ramp up for people. Now, there's a few reasons, like I said, why this didn't actually pan out. Number one, I wasn't completely happy with the design of the calendar. The calendar to me was the clunkiest part of the situation. And interestingly enough, that was the first idea that I had before the workbook even came into place. After doing more more research, the workbook actually surfaced as a potential solution to work with the calendar because of some research that we did related to goal setting and what what could actually help people through a pro, through a process. But the calendar is what I really wanted to be the center of the sort of uh, product here, and it didn't actually turn out to be something that. Even seemed like it was a part of the product because the workbook was just so well done and put together really nicely with my team uh, that the calendar almost just seemed like an afterthought and very little was done to consider uh, the interaction between the workbook and the calendar. I mean, the the calendar still people use. I saw I've seen pictures of it on the on people's walls and it's, that that was really cool. Um, but it wasn't as big as I wanted it to be, and there were just too many pieces. If I was using this calendar, I get a little frustrated because there there was this like little. And of course, it wouldn't be this way in the final product, but for the people using the beta program, of course, it's, it's MVP. It's just the minimum viable product to have it be what I wanted it to accomplish. There's a little Ziploc bag with about 100 plus different stickers in there, and you kind of had to filter through them. And so what needed to happen was some sort of calendar that could help you keep track of your progress that didn't involve all these different pieces, something that potentially uh, would be interactive on its own, not electronically, but physically moving things or tearing things apart or something related to just actually interacting in a way that helps you keep track of your goals, to have it be a little mini reward every single day after you continue to accomplish your efforts. Um, those kinds of things didn't come out And there were a number of meetings about the calendar specifically in the later half of the year and how to design it in a way that would be uh, more functional and better to handle. And also the other aspect of this was the manufacturing and shipping of it because this is a physical product. And because it was a physical product, it was completely new to me. And understanding the physicalness or the material aspect of it Uh, just isn't something I am used to. And that slowed us down quite a bit because the materials that you select change the price point. And when you change the price, you change the the price of of cogs or cost of goods, Uh, you you change potentially what the price will be. And obviously you should because you want specific project margin or profit margins. Um, It changes the price on the front end for the customer. Uh, Materials play a role. Packaging plays a role, too, because this calendar, it was quite big, and I remember getting a few beta versions of uh, an early prototype versions of this calendar, and they were folded, And even when you unfolded them, there were these crease marks that were just in the not most convenient places. And depending on the material, sometimes these crease marks would just really look not so great. And so we ended up uh, deciding that we wanted to roll this thing. But, you know, one of my pet peeves is when you roll something, you know, it's hard to unroll it and post it. So how can we make this calendar seem like it's a little bit more, uh, higher end without, you know, compromising the look of it, uh, and, and the price of it? To be able to get into as many hands as possible. Um, then it was like, oh, well, do we make this a super premium product instead? Do we create it out of something that's a little bit more, you know, make it look a little bit more elegant uh, and, and higher end? And, you know, that was an option too. So none of those things were answered by, you know, in early November. So we just obviously didn't have time to uh, put things into place to have it be something that could be promoted for a late November, early December Kickstarter campaign. Um, and it just wasn't to my liking yet, and I'm trying to balance my perfectionism with what just really is a great product um, that can be put out there. Because with the with a physical product, it's not like a digital product where if there's a mistake or if there's something wrong, uh, you know, I can just quickly update it. I can update my courses very easily from a beta launch to a, to the first public launch, but you know, building and manufacturing something and getting it shipped and having packaging play a role in that, like the boxes and the experience of opening that product and then using it for the first time, the onboarding process in a physical product, you know, all those things are things to consider that I had no idea needed to be worried about because I had never gone down this process before. So in terms of a physical product experiment to learn about the ins and outs of how this works, uh, it was very successful. But reaching our goal of actually having this be something that was promoted by the end of the year so it could get in more people's hands, customers' hands by the beginning of 2018. Definitely didn't work out, but that's okay. That's, you know, I expected that to happen or I knew that that was a possibility because this is a brand new Leg of business that I had never gone into before. So, for those of you who are rocking e-commerce, who get your own products built and manufactured and shipped over from China and then sell them, uh, kudos to you because that is not an easy thing. There's a lot of ins and outs related to that. Does that mean that that project, the physical product experiment, is done? Uh, no. So we've gone through the ninety days with the beta users, and and they're great. I mean, thank you all of you to those of you who participated within that group. Um, There will be opportunities to potentially get a second version of this later on, but right now, uh, it's not my priority. Um, And it's also something that I feel is kind of lower value in in the chain of things that are happening next year related to what can I provide to you that's going to be most helpful for you and your business. It is something I'm still going to plan and experiment with, uh, but it's not going to take top priority next year. So that was fun to actually recap. Um, I haven't really ever told anybody those things. so. But that's what I do here. I tell people the things that are going on, whether they are going well or going not so well. So that's just another one of those examples. All right, next up, number three. Uh, For the first half of the year, I was doing very well with this. And in the second half of the year, especially come September and October when I started speaking a lot, These two things I pushed aside and I'm very sad that I did this because they are very important to me. I've started up again here in December and hopefully I can be more consistent in 2018. So I'm talking about reading and journaling. Two things that were a part of my morning routine that were really important to me, reading uh, and journaling. Journaling especially because even just with a quick five minutes in the morning, I can write in my five-minute journal and talk about and and consider the things that I'm grateful for in my life and also write down the things that I hope to accomplish each day. And then at the end of the night, you kind of recap. This is how the five-minute journal works. I'll put links to the episodes in the show notes where I interviewed the two founders of the five-minute journal, which was really fun uh, it was a really great conversation, one of my favorite actual uh, conversations from the podcast this past year. Uh, but uh, I write in my five-minute journal, and at the end of the night, you consider the three, the three things that were awesome that happened during the day, and also one thing you can improve on. And so, like I said, starting in September when I started traveling, it was actually when I went to Portugal uh, this is funny because that trip was life-changing for me. I started vlogging. That gave me the inspiration to start doing more video for next year. Um, but I had forgotten my five-minute journal. And when I got back home, um, I went through a period of jet lag, and I just didn't make it a priority to get back into uh, getting into my journal and, and reading same thing. Like, I didn't bring any books because I just wanted to pack lightly. And um, yes, I know I could read on a Kindle and stuff. But, I, but what, what I was reading in the beginning half of the year was... Biographies. I've I've read so many amazing biographies this year, from Benjamin Franklin to Steve Jobs to uh, Phil Knight from the, from Shoe Dog. Um, it's just one of my favorite things to read are biographies. Elon Musk's biography by Ashley Vance is amazing Um, and I'm just sad that the second half of the year I didn't make reading and journaling a priority. It's not something that I spend hours doing every day, especially the journaling part, like I said, only five minutes a day, but even with reading, 15 to 20 minutes a day, I used to include it in the morning and and I'm doing that now because reading is really important for a number of reasons. One, it just keeps my brain going and it gets me started, uh, especially in the morning when I put it in there. It gets me thinking it gets me inspired it gets me motivated especially reading biographies people who have actually accomplished so many amazing things in their lives like how can i make it so that my biography is nice and thick and full of amazing things that can help leave a legacy and inspire others in the future that is uh, something that's really important to me but secondly it also helps me become a better writer and a better communicator just by reading i'm able to see that my writing Uh, picks up speed and that my vocabulary ends up becoming better and I become a better communicator across all the different platforms I'm on. So I'm sad to say that I let reading and journaling kind of slip slip away a little bit uh, mid-year, but I'm back and and I'm trying to do better uh, and I just now realize it's almost like fitness, it's almost like nutrition, like the fuel that you put inside of yourself and the more well-oiled you keep your machine or in this case, your brain, Um, the better your life will be. So reading and journaling, I hope you guys are keeping up on that too. And again, I'll put links to the episode that I recorded with the founders of the 5-Minute Journal in the show notes at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 297. Okay, number four. As many of you know, This year was a great year for me related to courses and finally building my own products that's allowed me to uh, generate more income in a way that allows myself to have a more balanced income stream. For example, in 2016, Primarily, I would say 80, 85% of my income came from affiliate marketing. This year, it's evened out a little bit and that's great because with affiliate marketing, the beauty of that is you can get started now, you can sell products that are already proven to sell in the market that you're in. If you can just build trust with your audience and send over those recommendations, it's gonna be a win. However, it's a little bit dangerous to just have All of your income come from affiliate marketing, especially with a bigger business and and, and one that you wanna have successful for a very, very long time, because at any moment in time, those affiliate relationships could go away, or excuse me, and your income can be affected as a result. When you sell your own products, you take over a little bit more control related to the selling process, because it's your products that are being sold and you can lead people down a different kind of funnel. 2017 was an amazing year for creating my own products such as Smart from Scratch, which came out of beta. The beta launch was in late 2016 and it came out for its first public launch in March and went very, very well. Thousand students in there actually working through the process of validating their business ideas so they can actually move forward with something that they have confidence with, which is great. So that's at smartfromscratch.com. The second course that came out was poweruppodcasting.com to help so many people get, not just up on iTunes finally, but also get ranked and get found, which is really awesome. So if you wanna check that out, poweruppodcasting.com. And then of course, BYOB, which is a free course that came out. You can find that at smartpassiveincome.com slash BYOB, which stands for build your own brand. And 6,000 people signed up within two weeks to that thing. And then finally, the most recent course, which is 123 marketing.com to help you with affiliate marketing. That's, th- this has all been great, right? But the one thing that didn't happen this year was finalizing and fig- figuring out my funnels. Meaning, okay, there are people coming into my website in various ways. Um, there's also the idea of paying for advertising too, cold traffic to see these things, these product offerings that I have. So finding traffic, getting people into some sort of sequence that then builds trust with them or shows expertise related to those topics and then leads them into a sales pitch for those products in a very defined and very uh, funnel-like way. Funnel meaning there's a lot of people coming in and then a certain percentage of them are going to go and check out the sales page or the offer and then a certain percentage of them are going to buy and then what happens to the people who don't buy, how do they get um, you know, a second chance, all this kind of stuff. None of that was figured out this year because this this year was like a building year. But I, I did want to try and create these funnels as I was going and that, that just didn't happen because creating funnels, I mean, that's different than product creation funnels specifically are ways to automate the selling process. And all of the courses that came out this year were open and closed manually. And they were open for a short time period, then closed again. And that was all done manually. And that that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of effort uh, and teamwork to do and coordination, especially when you have multiple products coming out. We did very well with that. We've done over seven figures in course sales this year. But None of that was automated, and that's something that needs to happen. And so we had attempted to create funnels, they, they just didn't work out, they didn't perform like I wanted it to, and it just got really clunky with all the tools that were involved. I got um, you know, a little bit of squirrel syndrome, ooh, this tool might be cool, ooh, this one might be great for it. And I need to make things simple, and I'm very thankful that I'm in the process right now as I speak and record this conversation with you today, uh, we are speaking with a number of people who are experts at creating funnels, and also potentially going to have somebody come on to become a marketing director who's going to help organize this stuff. Um, And like I said in last week's episode related to what's coming next year, um, there's not going to be a whole barrage of new courses. There may be only one or two additional courses that come out next year. Next year is going to be about taking what we have and making it uh, into a, a machine that actually works for me something that still serves my audience um, and still is very authentic along the way not pretending like there's going to be fake live webinars and these sorts of things that like evergreen webinars a lot of people use those in a very inauthentic manner and that's not where i want to go down um i've been on the other end of that and it's just is kind of distasteful um but putting more automation into place and smarter systems to be able to show these offerings to my audience based on the problems that they have and the solutions that they need so that's coming next year and so yeah i mean i was a little bit disappointed because now with all these things it's 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 kind of like a puzzle how do we fit all this together how do we keep things aligned on their tracks uh that's the big challenge i'm facing right now and then finally, to finish off this episode, number five, I wanted to talk about something that I did at the beginning of the year that was a, that was a big goal of mine. So in the beginning of the year, I had about 150,000 people on my email list and I had written a number on a Post-it note. This was a tip that I learned from Brian Harris. Uh, and it's a great tip. And it's worked for me for other things in the past. But the tip is to write down your goal on a Post-it note and just have it be somewhere where you can see it every single day. That that alone will help you stay motivated to actually uh, do those things that are gonna allow you to get to that goal. And for me, my goal for 2017 was to grow my email list from 150,000 to 250,000. And in order to do that, I had to grow at a rate of about 300 email subscribers per day. And unfortunately, the email growth between 2016 and 2017, the acceleration of that email list did not change. Certain things were put into place to try and make that happen, but blog design-wise and also just, you know, mindset-wise, it wasn't there. There were a lot of other things happening such as building these online courses and uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, but I just, I didn't put the things into place to actually purposefully grow my list. Um, it's one thing to write down what your goals are. And I see my goal here. It's 200, like, here, let me, this is this is the post-it note that says 250,000 emails. And I hope you heard that. If not, that would have been kind of just a weird silence. But uh, if you write down your goal, that's one thing. To actually implement and work backwards from that goal with numbers uh, is an, is is what's going to actually get you there. So, um, what became motivation for me at the beginning of the year later on in the year became sort of demotivation because I saw this number that I was striving for, and I saw that you know eventually it was going to be impossible for me to get that, uh, or nearly impossible unless some dramatic change happened. Um, I'm really excited because next year, being more laser-focused with the lead magnets that we have and how they get pushed into the content that I'm coming out with, um, that's another thing I've been getting inspired by. Uh, people like Amy Porterfield, who in most of her podcast episodes, she's promoting a very relevant lead magnet that's helping her build her list. Um, she was featured in a podcast episode here on SPI, which was one of the most popular of this year. Um, definitely the most popular one was 263 with Clay Collins. But episode 278 with Amy, where she talked about list building, uh, that one was really important. So you can all check that out. Obviously the links will be in the show notes, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 297. But before we wrap up here, um, I, I do wanna say that, like I said, lead magnets are gonna be really important, relevant lead magnets, knowing where my audience is in their entrepreneurial journey, knowing what content I am coming out with ahead of time and preparing ahead of time to create lead magnets that are relevant. That's that's one thing that's gonna be helpful. Um, also, adding more opportunities to subscribe on my blog to my lists and to also better define those paths for people closer to the top of their journey within my email list uh, so I can better understand how to serve them, so I can better understand what it is, what products they're looking for. That's gonna help with the funnel aspects too. Um, that's all important. But thirdly, webinars are gonna be an important component of my list building Uh, process for next year too Um, they are going to be something that's going to be a part of the funnels as well but i also know from experience and by talking to people like amy porterfield webinars whether people are by or not right that right then and there it's still a great list building component within your brand so look out for some of those things next year Um, but not reaching my goals with the number of emails uh, it was definitely a failure for me Um, and it became something that i just was not happy with but also i know at the same time that Numbers are one thing. I'm very happy with the growth that I've still had on my email list because those people, those numbers are actual people. Like numbers are people too, guys. So if you happen to subscribe to my email list already, just thank you. I know you're there and I'm going to continue to do what I can to best serve you. If you haven't subscribed to the list yet, well, hopefully I can do something within the next year to convince you to do so. And so just look out for all these cool things happening in 2018. And... That's the end of the episode. A great recap of the things that happened this past year, things that I know I can improve on. And so hopefully you can take inspiration from that and learn from my mistakes because really that's what this is all about. And again, the show notes are available. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode, you can find them at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 297. Man, we have one more episode this year. It's gonna be a special one, one that I'm taking a little bit more time to edit, but hopefully it's gonna give you a boost of inspiration as you move forward into 2018. I know it's inspiring me to uh, create this podcast episode. So look out for that next week. Until then, uh, just thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the holiday season and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. And again, those show notes one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 297. Cheers, I appreciate you, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today... slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.